Andrew Kreisberg's picture of a familiar building, Supergirl talk at Paley Fest, and we discuss Jeff Loeb's Supergirl. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to talk about Superman Batman Volume 2 Supergirl, written by Jeff Loeb. But first up, we have... The News. At Paley Fest, which happened this past week and weekend... Uh, Andrew Kreisberg was asked about Supergirl, and he said, quote, Melissa Benoist is so amazing, and just in the same way that you can't imagine Oliver Queen being anybody but Steven, you can't imagine The Flash being anybody but Grant, Melissa is going to become the definitive Supergirl for a whole generation of people, end quote. Uh, Kreisberg also said that they aren't planning a crossover right now, and they're focusing on the shows that they currently have in the Arrowverse. But he added that Supergirl will take flight on another network and we'll see what happens in the future. I love when they keep the door open like that. <laughs> yeah, so that was a, a good insight to what they're kind of talking about in the writer's room as of this point. But it was cool to hear him talk about uh, Melissa Benoist and what he thinks of her performance so far. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, speaking of Andrew Kreisberg, on March 16th, he tweeted, quote, morning at the WB lot, hashtag Supergirl, end quote, with a picture of an unidentified yet familiar looking building. Comicbook.com noticed that it looks an awful lot like the Daily Planet from Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. And not too long <laughs> after this picture was tweeted, Andy B. from the Flash podcast sent me a message and mentioned the likeness to the Daily Planet before I did, much to my <laughs> shame as a Lewis and Clark fan. I felt so no. embarrassed. I was like, I should have known. I knew it sort of looked like something I should know, but I didn't put it together because, of course, there was no Daily Planet globe there. But it, Yeah, it's, it, it's not quite the same without the globe. <laughs> right, right. That would have sent signals to my brain, but uh, <laughs> it uh, definitely looks like the same building. And when KryptonSite.com asked Andrew Kreisberg about the picture, he said it wasn't even intentional that it was the Daily Planet. So destiny? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's a coincidence, but it doesn't seem like it was, you know, an intentional homage, but there it is. It looks very similar to the Daily Planet uh, from the Lois and Clark set. So it's kind of a cool connection between the, the two Superman shows, or the two, yeah. the two Superman mythos shows, I guess I should say. Yeah, super family super whatever right, right i don't know 
Well, CryptonSite.com pointed out that the IMDb page for CBS's Supergirl lists Dean Cain as playing Fred Danvers and Helen Slater as playing Sylvia Danvers. And as CryptonSite mentions, sometimes the cast list can change. So it looks like we kind of have a little bit of clarification as to who Dean Cain and Helen Slater will be playing. But, you know, we really won't know for sure, for sure, until we see the pilot because things change. IMDb isn't always 100% accurate. So, uh, but that's kind of exciting that they seem to be playing the um, foster parents to Kara. Yeah, I'm really hoping that's right. I know sometimes, I mostly will trust IMDb with things that have already been out there that have been, you know, out there for decades or even a year or whatever, something like that. But something that hasn't quite surfaced yet sometimes can be, you have to take it with some hesitancy because you don't know for sure if that's what it, how it's going to pan out. But I'm really hoping it's right in this case. Yeah, definitely. At Planet Comic Con, Arrow star Stephen Amell talked a little bit about his confidence regarding the quality of the Supergirl pilot. He said, quote, Glenn Winter, who is an awesome director on our show and my good friend, is directing Supergirl, so it's going to go to series. I'm just going to tell you now, end quote. <laughs> so he, he was very confident about that. Yeah. Although, you know, it already has a series order right. as far as we know. So, um, But it's good to know that he's showing that much confidence in, uh, in Glenn Winter's directing skills. Right. So it should look pretty good. Well, now uh, that we are done with uh, this week's edition of the news, I would love to get right into discussing this week's topic, which is Superman, Batman, Supergirl, which is the volume that first uh, introduced Supergirl back into the DC universe, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I was curious. Did you use the issues or like the graphic novel? I have the... Yeah, I have the uh, trade paperback. So cool, all in one one little volume. So, um, did you read the uh, like the little foreword that Jeff Loeb wrote? Is that in um, yours? It is in mine. I didn't read it because I'm a horrible human being. No, no, no. It's totally okay. I I like to read those sometimes uh, because I remember when I was in eighth grade, my English teacher was like, "You have to read anything that comes before, you know, like a prologue or a forward or something." So it's yeah, like, it's like been beaten into me. Well, not beaten. She did. She didn't abuse us or. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's been it's been uh, taught in me to read that kind of stuff. And, and sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. But I thought it was really interesting that Jeff Loeb talked about how the whole reason that they were kind of influenced or encouraged to bring Supergirl back into comics was because of a, a sign that they saw at a uh, roller coaster ride. And it sort of reminded me of Six Flags Over Georgia in Atlanta because at the Super the Superman first flight or whatever it's called, there is... Uh, a big line of signs that talk about, you know, Superman's character and Lois Lane's character and Lex Luthor. And, all, and it g- gives kind of descriptions of all the characters. And so at uh, this particular particular ride, it was referring to, I believe, the Matrix Supergirl because it was talking about some crazy stuff about her. And Jeff was like, well, this seems strange. Like, we should just go back to when Supergirl was Superman's cousin because that's simple and clean and so he and uh dan didio were kind of plotting some <laughs> some stories and this is the result of that f- coming from that 
weird description of Supergirl at this uh, roller coaster ride. So I thought that was kind of an interesting story. Ideas can really come from anywhere. Exactly. And you never know when it's going to, when inspiration is going to strike. One of the things that's been fascinating uh, for me since we've started this uh, podcast is just the, the differences in the way Kara's character is presented um, and all the little nuances and little different takes and the different uh, personalities that she has, really. There's a, a couple of core things but they that remain the same, but really they are very different from each other. What do you think about Kara in this story? Yeah, I agree. They, they are different in, in the different incarnations, even that we have talked about on the podcast thus far between the Supergirl movie and Smallville and the animated series. So this is definitely... Uh, different and how she kind of comes to earth and what her first experiences are. And I have to admit that I, I did see the Superman Batman apocalypse movie before I read this. So I ah. sort of, sort of knew the story a little bit, but I will, I will say that even though I seen the movie, loved the movie, reading the comic actually gave me more a sense of who the characters were, what was, what they were going through, especially Kara, because as she goes through those, those pages where she first kind of comes to earth and she, she steals the bat boat from Batman, which <laughs> probably did not help his, uh, what he thought of her because she stole his vehicle. Well, you know, right. When you got to get around, you yeah. got to get around. <laughs> so, but, but that whole sequence of events where she goes through the town and just kind of happens up on these unanticipated powers and she's in this new world and she's alone and she can't even communicate with anyone. I was really struck by that, just um, going through those pages and how how terrifying and frustrating that was for her to not, because I was just thinking about my own experience of how even though I had studied French for four and a half years in high school, when I went to France a couple of years ago, which has been a couple of years <laughs> yeah. since, since high school, I won't say how many. Um, <laughs> but when I went to Paris and tried to reuse my French language skills, it wasn't so great. And I got frustrated because when I was walking around Paris, I was trying to communicate with these people. How do I get to this place? Where do I go? When does this happen? I couldn't talk to anybody because my French was so terrible. <laughs> mm. So I um, I can't even imagine, like, for somebody who couldn't speak the language at all. Like, I was at least butchering it a little bit. But Kara couldn't speak any English. And that, I was really struck by that, first and foremost, that her coming into our world, planet Earth, uh, was just uh, very scary for her. And I actually, I don't know if you saw at the back of the book... Uh, there was a couple oh, the, of pages uh, with the Kryptonian, the Krypton, trans yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Kryptonian translation key, yeah. and um, I was a nerd about it, and so I went through. Me um, too. I had to go and, and make you? sure it was accurate. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, we can compare notes to make sure my translation is correct. But I just when you could read those pages and still kind of get the sense of what she was saying in the bubbles, if, even if you hadn't done the translations, like you could kind of make it make sense out of what was going on. But I, th it's my opinion that the Kryptonian translation really adds to it for me, at least because she's like, uh, where am I? What planet is this? Don't touch me. No, stay back. And she's like, how did I do that? Talking about her powers. And she's like, I don't understand what's happening to me. And then at some point she's even like trying to, um, 
she's um, she's almost talking to her father. She's like, where am I, father? Where have you sent me? This is wrong, all wrong. Help me. <laughs> and um, she she says, you know, I have to run. Like, she's scared. She's, she wants to run away. And then she's like, oh, I can fly. I actually really liked, because um, I didn't I didn't try to translate it until the end. Like, I, I oh, yeah, read yeah. it, and I liked kind of the confusion of that and the fact that you don't know what she's saying and you kind of feel as kind of lost as she does because she's saying all this stuff that you can't understand. She's running around trying to communicate and, you know, nobody understands her either. And you kind of get a good sense for, for what she's going through. I liked the use of Kryptonian in these issues. Um, cause you forget, like it's, it's very easy to forget that Kara and Kalel are aliens. And so it's nice to have that reminder that like, yeah, nope, she's from another planet, straight up alien. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, she, she's like, this is a nightmare. I must still be asleep. You know, I don't want to hurt anyone. That's what I really liked about uh, this. The other part of this Kryptonian thing is that she, she doesn't come as an alien. Like you were talking about wanting to take over the earth. She like shows up and she's like, I don't want to hurt anyone. I realize that my powers are out of control and I don't know what's happening to me, but I don't want to hurt anybody. And she says that over and over again. I think she even says it to Batman. She's like, I told you, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. And she even says this biblical line, you know, father, why have you forsaken me? Um, <laughs> I, I thought that was really interesting. And um, I was struck by how, first of all, scared she was, but second of all, how she was looking out for other people uh, when she realized what was happening to her and she didn't understand it, she was like, Oh, stay back. I don't know what's happening. I don't want to hurt you. And I thought that was cool because she didn't come from a place of malice or, um, wanting to do anybody harm. She was trying to make sure everybody else was safe. So I thought that was, uh, very heroic in some ways. Yeah. I have to say, cause like personality wise, I, I loved Kara in this. I, I thought she was, you know, kind of spot on as far as, you know, her intelligence, her kind of teenagery, I do what I want. But yeah. then also like, you know, she's she's trying really hard to prove herself. <laughs> I was not so crazy with a lot of the fashion choices. Mm. Um well blame blame Lois Lane for that because uh, Yeah, I she, was like she bought her earth clothes. Bought her earth clothes. I was like, you're so this is what you think to buy somebody you've never met. Like I'm gonna buy you a Leotard and like low rise hip hugger jeans. Like <laughs> <laughs> because that's what girls wear on this planet. So there you go. It's like I know I I don't know you, but here, have your thong visible above your pants. Well, in Lois's defense, Clark had not introduced her to Kara first, so she was just kind of guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but th- that's her guess. Oh, goodness. <laughs> anyway, I was like, come on, Lois, you know better. <laughs> you you have to walk around, you know, Metropolis, you know, all day. Would you want to do it with your thong exposed right, and your, right. your jeans coming down your hips? But yeah, so that was, although speaking of the, the visuals of Kara, I, I have to say I love the page where um, Clark first introduces uh, Kara to Batman, like when they first start speaking English and he says, you know, this is Kara Zorel, my cousin from Krypton. And it's just this one page of them looking perfect. Yes. Like, it's like, oh my God, this is the most attractive family <laughs> in all of space and time yes um because it's like you've got him and his like you know like his muscles have muscles yeah and then you have her like draped with like the cape and 
the cloth she was kind of, you know, hiding in. And she's got like this perfect body. They're both like ridiculously sculpted. I was just like, nobody can compete with that. There is no family this attractive. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I agree. They are a little uh, perfect looking there. But I do like the little touch that because she comes out of the ship and is wandering around, like she has to pick up clothes from different points. Like uh, mm-hmm. somebody gives her a jacket early on when yeah. she's kind of going through the city. And um, <laughs> I guess Batman doesn't clothe her when he takes her to the Batcave. He like knocks her out with green kryptonite, takes her naked to the Batcave. And so when Superman shows up, I thought it was a nice touch that he takes off his cape for her and gives it to her to cover up. Yeah. So I, I, I sort of like that. Yeah. Well, actually, that's a good uh, segue. Let's talk about their relationship, because that's certainly a big focal point of this storyline. Yeah, I liked the way Jeff Loeb wrote, and I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Jeff Loeb writing Superman and Batman, because I'm a huge fan of his Batman Hush story, and he writes Superman and Batman's uh, like inner monologues really well. You get a sense of who they are and what they think, and um, how what they think of each other, and I think that's so great. And I wish he would stop doing things for Marvel, so he could come back to DC and do stuff uh, <laughs> with Superman and Batman again. But for, for in, in particular, though, with Superman, I liked his inner monologue at the beginning, where he keeps talking about how he's alone. You know, he he keeps referencing how alone he is until he meets Kara. So I think it's cool that they both come from a place of loneliness. Like she shows up to earth and she's scared and she's alone she doesn't you know she doesn't know what where her father is or what's happening to her and she feels alone and so superman feels the same way even though he's been bickering with batman you know about being on the calm link you know having that little banter that they have where superman's kind of sass and batman which i love <laughs> but <laughs> but you know even though superman has friends he's he's got these allies that we see throughout the story you know we meet uh we see him interacting with uh, Batman and Wonder Woman and and Barda and all these people, but he still feels alone, even with his relationship with Lois that we know he has in the story. He still feels alone because he doesn't have that connection with somebody like him. So I yeah. like that. And in particular, I loved his inner monologue where he, you know, he and Batman are talking about what kind of story this is. You know, Batman's like, it's a detective story. And Superman says, you know, he likens the situation with Kara to a love story. And he says, not a love story in the sense of a man and a woman, but more about a family who grows to love each other. They don't tell stories like that. Uh, They don't tell stories like these anymore. And I was like, actually, (laughs) that's kind of true that it's, it's a, it's a legitimate love story, but it's, it's connecting with your family. Yeah. And that's not as flashy or as, uh, you know, and that seems to fit him really well because, like, Clark is 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 very much like a down home kind of nerdy dude. Like, <laughs> he's just very you know simple, and he he values the simple things like you know relationships between people, taking care of your family, um, all of that stuff that might seem corny to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and and that's exactly where he's coming from. And I and I do think that it was kind of beautifully laid out here. I do think, however, that it's interesting that he almost gets, he gets really, and it's, you know, rare to see kind of Superman lose it. Yeah, um, yeah. 
And it's also cool to see Superman lose it over his family. Like, right. it's not just like, aw shucks, I love you. It's, <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to kill anyone who stands in the way. <laughs> or maybe not kill, but, you know, do some serious damage if you don't give me Kara back. Yeah, he does um, that a couple of times in the story. He does yeah, that with, we- uh, with uh, the people on Themyscira who are just kind of practicing, you know, in training with Kara. He does it with Darkseid, and he does it several times. Yeah. And as far as, you know, Kara's relationship to him, I I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Because on the one hand, obviously she wants to be independent. She wants to figure out her powers and and where she belongs for herself, especially since, you know, her home planet doesn't exist anymore. She has to find where she fits in. But at the same time, here's this one Kryptonian who has the same powers as you, why you wouldn't listen to him or at least hang out with him a little while longer before you start, you know, trying to be your own person is beyond me. Like, and it, and I guess it is like a, t- a typical kind of young person thing to do. But being as scared as she was, like, I was like, I just wanted to shake her. I was kind of like, he, you know, just hang out for a little bit just before you start running off to join everybody else's army or whatever. Like... You know, I mean, obviously she was kind of taken twice, but <laughs> right. Um, but she she seemed kind of like antsy from the beginning, and it's like you know this is your family. He is here to help you, and he's almost exactly like you. So why wouldn't you learn something? Yeah, that sort of makes me wonder what her life was like on Krypton before she showed up on Earth, and maybe she was like that there. Maybe she had more of a say in what she did in her life there. And it, it sort of makes, I, I don't want to blend the man of steel prequel comic that we talked about last week, but on, in that version of her on Krypton, she was a leader and she was able to do things that she felt were right at that point in that time, whatever was happening. And so I kind of want to think that her on Krypton in this story would probably this be the same way that she had more of a say in what was going on in her, her, her life. And so when she got to earth, maybe she wanted that same thing, but yeah. I, I, I agree. I think <laughs> if it was me, I would be like, Oh, this guy's I'd be like, here. Oh, good. You know me. Yeah. Great. <laughs> this is my cousin. He's aware of uh, our family connection and he's been here for a while. He has the same powers I do. Maybe I should listen to him. I totally agree. But I also think you're right that it's probably just written that way because she's sort of played as kind of a teenager. Like even when they go to Themyscira, she's like, oh, you're sending the kid away while the the adults talk. So it's sort of the age thing comes into play a lot. Yeah. Actually, uh, I did want to get into that. Um, Because one of the things that I did have trouble with was the relationship between her and or not not the relationship between her and Wonder Woman, but the way that went about. Because uh, so in the story arc, we have Wonder Woman kind of swooping in with the Amazons to take Kara and bring her back to Paradise Island. And uh, it turns out that uh, she does this because of a plan that Bruce had set up. So... Batman and she worked out a plan to kind of stage this, you know, kidnapping of Kara um, to, to, to see what she would do, which I think I believe that that Bruce Wayne would come up with something like that. I don't believe that Wonder Woman would go along with something like that. 
I do believe that Wonder Woman would want to take an interest in Kara and right. and you know introduce her to the Amazons. That I totally buy, and I think it's a great idea. But I don't think that she would go along with Mister Suspicious of Everything, Detective Batman, and be like, okay, yeah, let's stage this kidnapping just for funsies to see what'll happen. Yeah, I agree. I think Wonder Woman was probably just looking out for Kara's best interest, you know, realizing, oh, she d- she doesn't have anybody really except for Superman to be around and, and to be her own person without having to worry about exposing her powers and being able to learn how to hone them. So, I, yeah, I think it, Batman in the whole story is probably rightfully skeptical because of some of the things they talk about in the book about how... There are certain instances in the past where they were fooled by certain people into thinking a certain way. And so Batman was being very careful. But, yeah, I think the whole kidnapping thing was a little extreme. Maybe they could have talked (laughs) about it. Maybe they could have worked out a schedule. You know. (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, it was – but I think in the long term, I think going to Themyscira with Wonder Woman was good for Kara. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, I, I love her friendship with, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Lila. Lila, yeah. Yes. That was really, really great to see her kind of getting to make friends with someone her own age who is, you know, almost as powerful and has different powers than she does. And to, to see her in that, like, thrive in that kind of all-female warrior environment, which is pretty much the only place she would get to do that anywhere. And even though I think Superman could teach Kara things, and I think he does at some you know at some point towards the end i think they do kind of find common ground but i think it was really important for her to make uh, for Kara to make these connections on the, the mascara because there are certain things i don't think superman as a guy would understand but the 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 ladies on paradise island probably would so i think there's a balance that goes on in the story about where and how she learns things and as far as Batman, I kind of like how, especially toward the end, there's this bond between them because they both lost their parents. Right. You know, I was kind of waiting for that to happen because I was like, listen, Batman, you need to relax because, you know, this girl's going through some stuff. And uh, I like that they kind of brought that, you know, full circle and that, you know, she kind of earned his trust a little bit both with her personality and, you know, by reminding him that, hey, we have a lot more in common than you think we do. Oh, definitely. Not only does he start to trust her towards the end, but I think he respects her to a great degree because one of my favorite lines in the story is a Batman saying, whoever she is, anyone who can look both Clark and Diana in the eye and not flinch is either the greatest asset to the world or someone we should all be very afraid of. (laughs) So I think it's really interesting that... him as the human man sees this person who can look these godlike people in the eye and kind of stands up to them. I mean, she's she's pretty straightforward with Wonder Woman and Superman, and he sees that as very gutsy, I think. And mm-hmm. for Batman to be won over by that, I think says a lot about Kara. Yeah, definitely. It's so funny because uh, when we t- talked about... Um, the Female Furies, when we were uh, discussing Superman, the animated series, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was cool that there's like this all-female kind of group of villains that she can tackle. But, uh, you know, here I was glad to see the the balance. He, he, you've got 
the Amazons on Paradise Island. So you've got like your all-female like good fighting force. And then you've got Apocalypse where you've got these horrible wenches who are horrible. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I love that they brought Barda in too. Like just adding female characters left and right to this story, which I thought was really great. Yeah, I think that's cool because I don't know a ton about Big Barda. So to see her in her element is really fun for me. And to see that they, uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman go to her house and are like, hey, we need you to come on a mission with us. You've got expertise there. We need to pull from that. So I thought it was funny that they come and kind of interrupt her life to take her to this hellish place to go rescue Kara and... Uh, I liked seeing what she added to their dynamic and to their team and how they all interacted with each other and what what they all achieved when they went to Apocalypse because everybody had their part of the mission to accomplish. Like Batman went up against <laughs> Darkseid, maybe a little foolishly, but, uh, <laughs> but he did that and Wonder Woman's taking care of the Furies and Superman uh, goes to try to get Kara away from Darkseid. So I thought it was cool the way that they sort of formed their own little team for the mission on Apocalypse. Yeah. And I like that, you know, when Barda and uh, Wonder Woman are fighting the Furies and Barda, like, I forget which one she stabs, but she she stabs one of them to save Wonder Woman at one point. And Wonder Woman, you know, thanks her. And this is after she said, you know, oh, I've I trained them, you know. Right. And then, you know, Barda says, well, I trained them. That doesn't mean I liked them. <laughs> <laughs> there there can be a difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, and they're, that was and they're a, horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the, the Furies are the worst. So, yeah, I, I do like the uh, interaction between Wonder Woman and Barda there because they, they made a good team, I think, in this story. Yeah. And um, I also loved the um, just because you mentioned earlier about Barda being, um, you know, they they went to go see her in her house and she's trying to forget Apocalypse because it's not a great place to live. All she wants to do is take her shower, go to bed, (laughs) whatever. And, you know, I think that's an interesting theme kind of all around in that Superman especially seems to be very much about wanting to be normal. And I don't know if, you know, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Like you can't always show your identity to people. You can't always show your powers to people. And both, you know, Superman and Supergirl have this issue of, you know, we kind of need to hide where we are, uh, hide who we are, excuse me, at some, at certain points. And so you've got Barda who's trying to put away that, that side of herself but then when she has to, she'll whip out this big, you know, suit of armor that she has and go right. to Apocalypse. So I just thought that was an interesting theme that, like, there's kind of a battling yourself and battling your your identity and c- kind of trying to figure out when to show that and when to not and when to put it away for good, maybe. You know, Barda kind of decided she doesn't want that life anymore. She's trying to live a, a normal life or there's the option to become a hero like Kara eventually does and she wants to learn from the Justice League and 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 kind of be better in that regard. So I thought it's cool how they show the two sides of that and how and the choices that you can make once you, you know, you're either fortunate or unfortunate enough to have special powers or to have certain circumstances. Yeah, there's def- uh, definitely a contrast between Barda and Supergirl, or Kara, I guess at the end, she she uh, adopts the moniker of Supergirl. And I think it was cool, I, I think it's cool to see the 
the pages where Superman's introducing Supergirl to all of the leagues, the outsiders, the Teen Titans, um, the Justice Society, the Justice League. He's kind of introducing all of them to her because she has chosen for herself that this is this is what I want. This is who I want to be. So there's a, a definite contrast between her and Barda uh, coming at different stages of their superheroic journey, I guess, if you want to say um, that, yeah. that Barda was sort of trying to, like you said, wrap it up. And Supergirl was like, nope, let's get this started. I, I want yeah. in on this action. Definitely. And I love that. It was kind of like her her like coming out party, her like debutante <laughs> ball right? Um, for superheroes. It's like, I'm just flipping through this right now and uh, coming to the part where, you know, they kind of had left Darkseid and then he ends up at the Kent's house oh, and yeah. seemingly vaporizes Supergirl with his Omega beams. And I, having no experience with, with Supergirl in the comics, I was like, wait, what? How can that happen? And then, of course, we we see that you know, she was beamed out and ashes were replaced right when that happened because they were able to tra- – Wonder Woman was able to track her. But, oh, my God, for for a split second, I was very, very afraid because <laughs> I was like, wait, wait a minute. I thought this was bringing her back and now she's a pile of ashes. How are they going to get out of that? <laughs> yeah, I really like that because even though I had seen the movie, when I was reading the comic, I thought at, I thought at the point when Superman – gets Kara off Apocalypse, oh, the story's over. They've gotten to the Kent farm. Everything's okay. Everything's, you know, apple pie and, and America. And Darkseid <laughs> shows up and attacks them. And I was like, whoa, the story is not over yet. <laughs> Things are still happening. So, <laughs> so I thought that was actually very masterfully written and drawn because at some point I thought the story was finished. I thought we were wrapping this up and it kind of exploded. I mean, Superman and Darkseid have it out. And it's it's a pretty big fight. And like you, when when <laughs> Kara was vaporized, I was like, oh, wait, that that's not right. That doesn't. I mean, we've still got a couple of pages. It looks like. So uh, yeah, I thought the whole plan with them teleporting Kara out and back to Themyscira was actually really smart. Even uh, it tricked me just as it tricked Darkseid. Yeah, exactly. So now, what do you have a uh, a favorite moment in this? story arc. Well, I do like there's there's one little small thing where the well, this isn't small, but a whole bunch of doomsdays attack Themyscira. Oh, yes. And uh I guess we sort of glossed over that, but uh, at at the time when Kara goes to train on Paradise Island, they're attacked by a whole bunch of doomsdays. And before that, Harbinger Lila has an orb prediction. I don't know what you call that. She probably has like a fancy name for that. Yeah. Uh, But you see Superman holding a blonde girl in the orb. And I like draped in draped in in a cape. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was very reminiscent of Superman holding Supergirl's dead body from crisis on infinite earths. And it sort of gives you the impression that she, uh, that Supergirl, that Kara might die. And I thought it was cool that, well, you know, R.I.P. Lila, but um, huh. uh, but she ends up being uh, that that blonde girl in in the orb, and it's not Kara. So I thought that was kind of a cool take on that iconic death imagery for Supergirl. Yeah. And and that's not even my favorite moment though. That's one of, one of my favorites. Um, I guess I have two, um, <laughs> but my other one is because I'm a huge Batman fan. 
And I loved that he sort of interrogated Kara towards the beginning. He was like, you know, uh, what do you remember about your life on Krypton? And he specifically asks her, do you remember your mother's name? And I thought that was fascinating because I think he, Batman's a character who, since he was a little boy, he's, he's had certain memories of his parents. And so I think that sticks with him and he probably thinks about it a lot. And mm-hmm. so for, for him, knowing his mother's name is probably, it's just second nature. Like he, he would think that if somebody had memories, he, that would be something you'd be able to access very easily. So that's yeah. why he asks her, do you remember your mother's name? And she, at that point in the story, doesn't remember. And I like at the, at the end, Kara takes the initiative to come back to Batman and say, oh, you know what? I do remember my mother's name. It's Allura. And um, that becomes a thing, I think, that bonds them together and that earns his respect a little more that she has given this information up to him and remembered that he asked her that. So I think that little moment, as small as it was, was probably my favorite of the story. Yeah, it was a great moment of connection for them. There are lots of great small moments. Um, I love that uh, Clark's mother made her costume, too. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, <laughs> he says, you know, that what is Let me find the line. Um, it's pretty amazing what my mother can do with a needle, some unraveled thread and heat vision. <laughs> um, so, so I'm like, is he, so he's helping, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I think is great. It's like, oh, we're going to make her a costume together. Uh, family activities. But I think ultimately my favorite part was the the way in which she's introduced to the rest of the superhero community. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that uh, he gathers everyone and and that he says, you know, we only get together for funerals. Yeah. And that shouldn't be the case, you know. We should get together to celebrate stuff too. Um you know, we're, we're friends here. Like, they, like we do more than, you know, we should mean more to each other than just, you know, when there's trouble, call me, you know, we're, we're actually friends and we care about each other. And, right. um, and then also the fact that they kind of spotlight what the different groups would have to offer Kara. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. and, and they're kind of each looking forward to kind of taking on that role in her life when he introduces the uh, Superboy and the Teen Titans and Superboy is like, this is so cool. Um, it's like, finally, somebody who's my age who's like me. Yeah. Because um, Clark is great and everything, but he's an old dude. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just kind of the different groups and like the, you know, certain female characters that she could talk to. Um, she wants to reach for the JLA and all of that. So it, it's kind of marking her progress and introducing her to her new life. And I thought it was super well done. That's it for me. I think I'd like to close with, uh, I'll close our discussion of uh, Supergirl's return to the DCU with this quote from Jeff Loeb, um, his dedication on the the piece, uh, where he says, quote, during this experience, I fell in love with Kara Zor-El from her first moment of terrified innocence to her surprising turn in, Oh, you'll see. She's been a delight. (laughs) In so many ways, Kara reminded me of my daughter, Audrey, who has shown me in some of the darkest times there can be joy and to never forget that there's hope. I'm in awe of her strength and helpless before her laughter. This one's for you, boo. Um, That's adorable. (laughs) I thought that was that was really sweet that he, uh, you know, is relating it to a little girl in his life. 
And I think that's cool that he sort of used his experience with his daughter and infused a little bit about uh, her characteristics and the hope that she exudes into the character of Kara. And you, I, I definitely see that in the story. Yeah, yeah. Well, that wraps up our Superman Batman Volume 2 discussion. And now we can get into some listener feedback. We got an email from Ange who says, I love the costume for the show. Talking about Melissa Benoist's costume. Ange continues, I don't think there will be an S on the cape. So put another check mark on the people who don't (laughs) think there's going to be an S on the back. I also don't like the new 52 costume, especially the red crotch area. I don't think anybody really liked that at all. I don't think that was a big... I don't know why they picked that in the first place. (laughs) It's stupid. I guess they they were trying something new and it it did not go over so well, I don't think. Um, But maybe there are people out there who like it. It could could be. Uh, Ange continues, uh, and I wonder if the Supergirl in pants that Rebecca saw somewhere was the Cat Stags designed costume in the Smallville. Uh, comics. And actually, Ange, you are correct. That is the one that I came across when I was trying to figure out who designed the new 52 costume with the red crotch. I was trying to research who (laughs) did that. And when I was Googling Supergirl new 52 costume design or whatever, that that Cat Stags costume did come up with the the blue pants. So you are correct in that. Yeah. And uh I was thrilled to see that uh, Sterling Gates tweeted saying that, uh, quote, happy people are still reading that Man of Steel comic. Jerry Ordway drew the hell out of that. Um, Definitely. We agree. I love the art in that as much as the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody actually should be following uh, both Sterling Gates and Jerry Ordway on Twitter. Uh, Sterling Gates is just at Sterling Gates. And Jerry Ordway is at Jerry Ordway, and that's Jerry, J-E-R-R-Y, and then O-R-D-W-A-Y on Twitter. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website, supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash supergirlradio. You can follow us on Twitter at Supergirl Radio and check out our exclusive pictures over at Instagram.com slash Supergirl Radio. And we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you have time, we encourage you to rate and review us on both iTunes and Stitcher. And thank you to Ollie, uh, O-L-I underscore 1974 for your iTunes review. Thanks for doing that. Yes, thank you so much. That uh, really uh, makes us feel good to see all those uh, reviews coming in. You can also find uh, me online uh, at Teresa Giacino on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Teresa Giacino. Uh, Facebook, it's Teresa Giacino Experience. So facebook.com slash Teresa Giacino Experience. And uh, I'm writing now over at The Mary Sue. So if you check out themarysue.com, you can uh, see me write about all sorts of nerdy stuff. <laughs> awesome. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. 
And if you're interested in conventions, I recently went to Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida, where I actually bought a whole bunch of Supergirl comics. So I'm excited to read them. I haven't gotten a chance to uh, dig into them yet, but it, it was one of those things where they were selling a bunch of comics in the, at the convention and I was just kind of poking around looking at all the covers and I kind of just picked by covers that I was interested in. So yeah. hopefully they're good stories. I don't know. We'll see. Judging uh, books by their covers. I, that's a, <laughs> Literally, that's what I did. So if you're interested in seeing uh, more about my trip to Pensacola for Pensacon, it's up on my YouTube channel. Awesome. And uh, all of you listeners can join us next week when we'll be reviewing the animated movie that uh, Rebecca has mentioned, uh, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, starring Summer Glau as Supergirl. She's like the, the geek staple, uh, you know, for awesome young characters. Yeah. <laughs> and I love her. Yeah. And she's actually really good at Supergirl. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Well, till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. And we know that each of us, in our own way, fights with the hope for a better tomorrow. Tomorrow.